0: Chapter two of Down in Water Street by Samuel Hadley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter two, the first rescue mission. In eighteen seventy two, four years after Jerry's reclamation, he conceived the idea of starting a mission to rescue men who, like himself, had no one to help them. Mr. Hatch did much to aid him. Mr. William E. Dodge and his sons, young men then, also stood by him jerry went to camp meetings at sea cliff ocean grove and sing sing and collected quite a sum of money for this purpose thus the first rescue mission in the world where the drunkard was more welcome than the sober man the thief than the honest man the harlot than the beautiful pure woman was started by jerry mccauley october eighth eighteen seventy two at three sixteen water street new york His dear wife Maria stood by him, and I might as well mention here as anywhere something else about this most gifted woman. She was touched by the Holy Spirit and remained for a while in the building, which later became the Water Street Mission. Jerry was permitted in the days of his poverty to sleep there occasionally. His anxiety for Maria was the greatest care of his life. Christian friends gathered about her and encouraged her. She then went to Massachusetts, and God, in his wonderful love, saved her and removed from her the appetite for drink. Through the efforts of Mr. Hatch and other kind friends, Jerry and Maria were married and lived together a few years before the mission was started. While Jerry attended to his work, Maria was a Bible reader, visiting all the families in the neighborhood and reading and praying with the poor and needy. When they started their mission, Maria could play a few tunes on the organ, and Jerry could sing only two or three. Some of the first families brought to Christ after the mission was started were those who had been found by Mrs. Macaulay in her missionary work. Hordes of Irish Catholics poured in to see Jerry Macaulay, the ex-thief who had turned preacher. Stones were often thrown in from the outside, and men were fighting on the inside. Often, when the music was started and Jerry had to go down the aisle to throw someone out of the door, he would stop the tune and, after coming back to the platform, would take it up where he had left off. Through all this trying time, Jerry was encouraged and sustained by his dear wife, Sister Maria, and much of the success attributed to him should be given to her. She is one of the most successful women the writer has ever met, and he has been brought in touch with many of the most influential women in this land. She was able, by the simplicity of her loving heart, to point many a poor blind sinner to Christ. Mrs. Macaulay was one of the bravest and brainiest of women, and she linked childlike devotion to good common sense in both the higher and lower walks of life. In the after-meetings which she held in the mission, some of the men would be sneering, some crying, some drunk, some sober, and some trying to insult her. Yet she saw nothing but the poor lost souls and the precious Saviour standing near. Her faith was marvellous. She paid no attention to an insult or a sneer, but went on in her simple way, telling the inquirers that Jesus alone could help, and I have seen the hardest natures yield under her touch. I do not think that enough credit has been given to her in the thousands of pages that have been written about rescue work. After Jerry's death, his widow carried on a mission for years at the Cremorne in West 32nd Street. Finally, her health broke down and she was obliged to give it up she married a gentleman of distinction who was for years a trustee of the mission a friend and counselor to jerry mr bradford l gilbert a prominent architect of this city she still lives a happy and devoted wife and has in no wise lost her love for saving perishing souls though not publicly at the head of any work she gives her strength and means for this purpose as far as she is able it is with gratitude that the writer pays this tribute to one from whom he has learned so much and to whom not only he but thousands of others owe so much the blessing of god was upon the work at water street from the very start the most hardened men ex-convicts thieves sailors captains and mates of ships came in and the spirit of god got hold of them listening to jerry's testimony of how he was saved they would get under conviction and give their hearts to jesus not only were the lowest people of the city saved here but many in the highest society were captured for his cause. Many cases could be mentioned, but one will have to suffice. Mr. and Mrs. Sidney Whittemore came down here to see the novelty, Jerry Macaulay, a saved thief, leading a meeting. They were Christians, or at least they thought so. Mrs. Whittemore says that she was of that character of church people so prevalent, a card-playing, theater-going, dancing Christian. She never had seen anything like what she saw here, and when the invitation was given for those who wanted to come to Christ to hold up their hands, she raised her hand, and husband and wife both knelt amid the crowd of tramps who had come up for prayer. Jesus met them and sanctified that gifted woman for his work. Who can describe the wonderful change that took place that night in those lives? This cultured, refined, and beautiful woman then and there gave her life to God. What that one woman has done is almost incredible, and would be entirely so, were it not for the fact that Jesus has been with her and has stood by her from that day until now. Mrs. Whittemore organized the Door of Hope for lost and helpless girls, carried on entirely by faith, and from that has sprung some fifty or more Doors of Hope throughout the country. Thousands of girls have been reached by this consecrated woman, many restored to mothers, many happily married, and many have gone home to be with Jesus let us look at this matter of rescuing lost women squarely in the face what is the attitude of the church or the majority of christian people when a girl takes a false step possibly with no criminal intent do we move heaven and earth to bring her back to the path of safety do we help her by our love and strong arms to climb again the rugged heights from which she has fallen to her ruin and then do we stand by her i fear we do not instead of this i have seen society and the church turn a deaf ear to her entreaties until her case has become hopeless this is a mighty question people often ask do not women fall lower than men yes they do to human eyes they are naturally higher than men and they have to fall lower and then sink into the depths of degradation in order to keep down or their conscience would drive them to suicide no matter how wayward her footsteps have been, no matter how deeply she's sunken in sin, no matter what elements canker the pearl, though lost and forsaken, she's some mother's girl. Jerry carried on his work for ten years at number three sixteen Water Street. He finally concluded that this was a worked-out mine and through the providence of God located a mission at number one o four West thirty-second Street known far and near as the Cremorne Mission. It was a part of the Cremorne Garden an infamous resort for men and women the lease had expired and jerry secured it and started one of the finest missions in the land at that very spot january eighth eighteen eighty two it was there that the writer was converted april twenty third eighteen eighty two when jerry went to the cremorne the work in water street was left in the hands of one of the converts mr john o'neill he remained but a short time then mr of shorey a redeemed drunkard who was captured at Moody's great meeting in the Hippodrome, was placed in charge of the work. Jerry's health failed rapidly after he moved uptown. In fact, he had been a sufferer from consumption for years. The extra labor of opening and carrying on the new and larger work proved beyond his strength. He died suddenly of hemorrhage of the lungs, October eighteenth, 1884. His last words to his faithful wife, who was holding his hands, were, It is all right up there. Jerry McCauley had one of the largest private funerals ever held in this city. For an outpouring of people, big, little, rich, and poor, his funeral exceeded anything ever seen. The services were held in the Broadway Tabernacle. The house was not only packed to the utmost, but the streets in front and on the sides were so crowded that one could not drive or walk through them. It was a great tribute of love from the people to the man who had given his life to save others jerry's anecdotes were exceedingly interesting and in his testimony he would relate many of the experiences of his life shortly after his reclamation when this building was used as a sort of sailor's reading-room and frequented by the seamen when they were out of work a sea captain came in one day looking for sailors he saw jerry and went up to the old man who kept to the place and pointing his finger at jerry said is that the kind of people you keep here he's a dirty thief and a scoundrel He robbed my ship and stole a hundred dollars' worth of sugar, and he ought to be in the pen. He then began to curse and swear at Jerry. Jerry didn't know what to do. He had stolen the sugar, but it was before Jesus had pardoned his sins. What could this man understand of the step he had taken? While this ruffian was venting his spleen, Jerry silently lifted his heart to God, and then said, Captain, you are right. I did steal that sugar, but since then I have given my heart to God, and Jesus has saved me from all that kind of a life." He had been working and had saved one hundred dollars, and he had it in the bureau at their home in Pearl Street. He said, I have a hundred dollars, and if you'll come home with me, I'll pay you for your sugar. You pay a hundred dollars, you dirty thief. You haven't got one hundred cents. You would like to get me into your house to murder me. No one shall touch you, said Jerry. Come with me, and I'll pay you. Jerry hated to say this, as this was the first money he had saved in his life. The captain kept on cursing and refused to come. You will come, said Jerry, as he took him by the coat collar, and I'll give you the money. It was impossible for the captain to get away from Jerry, and after a while he went, more peacefully, muttering, You have a hundred dollars, you thief. At last they reached the house, and Jerry unlocked to the door. The sweat stood on the captain's face, and he became more decent. Jerry, he said, I believe you are just fool enough to pay that money. Yes, sir, answered Jerry, here it is. Well, Jerry, said the captain, I stole the sugar before you stole it from me, so keep your hundred dollars. Jerry would add, in relating this experience, this is how God would help me when I got into a scrape on account of my old rascality. End of chapter two.